Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Winner of the Sundance 2021 Special Jury Prize for Nonfiction Experimentation, All Light Everywhere, is an exploration of the shared history of cameras, weapons, policing, and justice. As surveillance technologies become a fixture in everyday life, the film interrogates the complexity of an objective point of view, probing bias inherent in both human perception and the lens. It's a terrific film. It will open your mind to the world we live in, but also into these very interesting and important questions about how we're going to live in a future where technology and surveillance are such an important part of the world we live in. We're joined today by the director of the film All Light Everywhere, Theo Anthony. Theo, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Well, uh, as I just said to you, this is a film that asks a lot of very complex, interesting, naughty questions, and K-N-O-T-T-Y, and, uh, and I, I just thoroughly, I was thoroughly in, enthralled by it. What inspired this? Um, it's, it's hard to say, like, what directly inspired. I think the, um, these are questions that I'm always asking in a lot of my work. Um, I think yeah. that, you know, in, in Rat Film and Subjects Review, it has a very similar bent around power and institutions and images and how you know how how power works through images and how images are controlled by institutions. Um, this film, I think, really just comes from my experience as a documentary filmmaker and and and, and having worked as a journalist before that. Um, I think that I'm always interested in the way that cameras uh, shape behavior. I was very aware that you know I was in the room, my camera was in the room. And the fact that there's this huge, big, vulgar object between us was really, you know, changing things. And I thought that it, that dynamic wasn't really discussed a lot in re- really like mainstream documentary discourse. And I just started like reading more about that. And just also like living in, in Baltimore during the uprising after the killing of Freddie Gray, body cam is one of the major reforms proposed. And I found this compelling link between the body cameras and my own practice, obviously. And that lightning strike is kind of where um, the film got started. You open the film with a very provocative uh, set of facts about the Mm -hmm. eye, the biology of the eye. And I'd never heard this particular point of view. And that is the optic nerve in the back of the eye receives no visual data. So it connects the eye to the brain, and it is a visual blind spot. So in that, have you given away the, uh, is this Jung's um, idea of the, of the, uh, the shared subconscious? Is that, what we're, is that what we're seeing? How is it that uh, we basically are seeing things given this very important part of our biology is not a visual receptacle for what we quote unquote see? Um, yeah, yeah, there's this, uh, there's this, a friend and, and, and neuroscientist, Anil Seth, um, he has a saying that, uh, we, um, we see in the brain, not the eyes. And, um, I think that we really take that for granted, these organs that kind of make sense of the world, but they have their own constructs and, um, ways in which they're shaping information as, as, as it passes through it. And 
those types of conversations map very productively onto conversations around, you know, image making and uh, technology, uh, awesome technology. Yeah. Which are always extensions of our senses in this, it, like very McLuhan way. I just had never heard it, never really considered it. And so it just kind of, it blew my brain up a little bit as I'm watching the film and trying to kind of wrap my mind around the, that idea. Um, how did you get to know Steve Tuttle? He is the, uh, president of uh, Exxon or what is his uh, title at Exxon? At the time was the VP of uh, marketing, I believe. So um, I'd have to double check that. I think he might be serving a different role now, but basically he was just like the the, the spokesman um, at the time. So um, what, what interested you about Exxon? Why was, how did you land on them? Um, well, you know, you don't get very far when looking at body cameras without running into Axon. You know, they, as I say in the film, they have an 85% market share. So, you know, and almost certainly every time you see a body camera, it's an Axon camera. And as I explore in the film before that, you know, their best known product is, is the Taser. So um, Steve has really been the face of that. And, you know, we found him a really compelling really like a compelling, not even so much a character, but just a, a compelling medium that, that really channels that, that corporate logic of, of, of Axon. That's a great way to put it, the corporate logic, because as I'm watching him, and I assume him to be a, a uh, honorable man and you know loves his kids and all that, but the, the sort of point of view that we usually hear sort of in a corporate uh, construct uh, and, and trying to, and when they're explaining what they do, as someone who came from a corporate perspective, or I've worked in a corporation for a little while, hearing him talk about the exciting prospect, describing the office, the black box, and the relationship to the rest of the of the company. There's something even in the dynamic and the internal construction of that company that sends up red flags for me in terms of just how they see the world. And I was wondering, as I'm watching it and listening to it, you know, is he being naive or is this just simply a sales pitch, what we see him doing? In other words, he's constructing this world in which everybody's going to be better for this if they just embrace this technology. Is that naivete yeah. or is that just a, a naked sales pitch? I would say that, you know, if I could say one thing about Steve, he's um, he absolutely is. He's very passionate about what he does and he really believes in, in what he sells. And I think that's what makes him an effective salesman. He doesn't there isn't that internal conflict between what he believes and what he's saying, you know, and, and that's what that's what I mean when I say he's just truly this channel for the corporate logic. He was he was a really um accommodating a nice person to us and so i'm not trying to have you know any attack on his character in any way oh, no but, i don't know, mean that either yeah no no yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't i didn't think that you meant that um i'm just you know i think that it's important to acknowledge that like you know very good people can be caught up in 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 very damaging institutions and that to me is like a very complicated thing that is is really worthy of investigation and of, of how that happens I think Steve really speaks to those points. I think he really believes it. And and I want to take a half step back. This film, All Light Everywhere, is about it's about technology. It's about our our prejudices, our biases, the world we live in now, and the future world we will be living in. And we're not asking ourselves the right questions. I think that's part of what you're trying to say here. We should be asking these really fundamental and important questions. And currently, we're yeah. not doing that, whether it's because of the political realities, whether it's a corporate reality, whatever it is, because we're going to this place that is is just sort of described in some way in the film, All Light Everywhere. 
but we're not asking the questions of how we're going to get there and and remain human in the process. Yeah, I mean, I think that was always our our tactic to show that that these forces are have been in play a very very long time. Even down to you know we have that Bertillon quote you know where the eye only sees that for which it looks and only looks for that of which it already has an idea. And you know it's like wow that could just be ripped from the headlines of talking about kind of AI and about like like biased algorithms. Just the ways we were we were constantly struck at the repetition of the language throughout history in, in pitching these different technologies. And I think that you're absolutely right that you know even before we get to a question about whether body cameras are effective or whether aerial surveillance is more effective, like will that be a more effective policing? This really convenient thing happens that you skip over the part where at a more fundamental level you ask, is policing even working as it currently is? Or does there need to be a more radical shift in the way in which we conceive of public safety and community institutions having a say over their own communities? So yeah, you're right. It is. I, I try to kind of bring it back to a lot of essential questions that keep repeating themselves throughout time. And And there's a substantial amount of the film that focuses on the earliest technologies of documenting uh, the human face, the human, and, and and also the trajectory of that, how it plays out in our assessment of human behavior, the technology behind cameras, the Gatling gun. There's uh, there's so many different uh, elements to this film, and the way that you're basically saying we need to really consider this. Do we have an expectation of privacy anymore? Is this used to be a legal concept? Expectation of privacy does that exist anymore? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, it's, it's like such a, I think the word privacy is, is so loaded that I think that we could have like a whole other episode of like what, I mean, and the, and the ways in which privacy has expectations of privacy have shifted through time has really changed. I don't know. Um, I think that there's a lot of really interesting work. I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I can, I can point people to some really important work that I think does adequately address that. Um, particularly Shoshana Zuboff's uh, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, where she really provides a very, a really great rundown of this present moment, both like from, it's really kind of like a deep dive on the evolution and birth and future of Google and uses Google as a kind of case study in, in where we're at around conversations of privacy. So that's a, a really great one that I can kind of punt the ball to uh, yeah. for people who are interested in that question. Yeah, and I also think it comes down to terms and conditions as well, right? Yeah. That's the other part of this. You know, this is where the corporate part of everything. I mean, really, you really get into the community, the African-American community, their relationship to the police. I don't think we have to spend a lot of time talking about systemic racism in the context of all of that and how African-American people in these communities that are being surveilled are welcoming more surveillance or if there's at least a discussion that they should be. There's just so many things that we, uh, it feels like we just don't quite understand a future where we're not ensnared in this kind of corporate surveillance state. I don't think the film is, it wasn't intended to be like overly dystopian. I think that I have a lot of, you know, there's pessimistic yeah. and intellect, optimistic and will is like kind of my mantra. These well, we days. have control. Um, we can affect the, the future. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, I think just like allowing room for that complexity. I think that community meeting is a very good example of, you know, allowing space where you, that there was no one viewpoint in that room. And right. there was a lot of disagreement, you know, around whether or not to invite more surveillance. And then you know, also the invasion of privacy that came with that. 
Um, I think that just when when having these conversations, it, it, there's obviously a lot to consider. I think you know when we're talking about the future of policing, I think that you something that's very often missing in these communities is that marginalized communities, particularly black and brown communities, not only are like face the brunt of police brutality and policing, but also stuff like are are the face of you know most violent crime as well. So that is something that you always have to just speak to the community. It's not even that complicated. You right. know, you have to like hear out and it's, it's not going to be a single um, takeaway. And yeah, that, I think that, that that complexity is something that we, we, we shouldn't try to repress or hide. I feel like I'm, I sound frustrated because I am, because, it, yeah, you, you know, as well. <laughs> yeah, and so if that, I, I feel like I'm, you know, projecting that a little, you know, a little harshly, but it, it is because I do feel that this is where a critically important, you know, if we, if after the last two or three years that we've been through, if we haven't come out on the other side of it, at least questioning policing and the way we, 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 we manage police, the way they manage us in terms of the way they go about doing their job, uh, I don't know when we will. And, and mm. so it's, it's a little bit anxiety inducing for me. And I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm involved in a lot of like uh, police reform organizing work. And I've been doing a lot of like stuff with city council where we're trying to push this stuff through. And, you know, you talk to the sheriff, you know, who's there and he, he begins and starts every meeting by saying, thanks so much for coming here. Just so you know that uh, this is my department and everything you said is a recommendation, which we don't have to take. So in that spirit, talk away. And such a middle finger to like the real pain that people are feeling with policing right now. And, you know, I just found myself kind of like how you're feeling where I'm getting really frustrated in these meetings and I'm just getting so angry. And someone who's kind of been around longer than me kind of took me aside the other day and they said like the thing that's going to kind of keep you sane is just to say like, it's not about truth. It's about power. Yeah. And they're in power right now. And I think that if you kind of take away like that sort of like gut reaction that you feel it's like, okay, it's true that something horrible is happening, not to give up on that, but just to understand that it's, that it's a power struggle. I think that it allows you to be a lot more strategic and conserving in your energies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to let you go on this, but I've spent 15 years in politics. And let me just give you my quick advice, very quick. And that yeah. you cannot get elected to city council, dog catcher, mayor, without the police and fire endorsement. That's where it starts. It's as, it's as, as a, it's a basic political building block of American society. You cannot get elected without their endorsement. That's where the problem begins. They hold enormous I, political power. Uh, I'm 100% on board with that. I'm actually running for city council right now. You're going to find and, out. Um, the, the, whole reason, <laughs> well, the whole reason that I got involved was because I was, I was involved with the, the police reform here in, in, my, in my local town and ran up against that very quickly. I am optimistic that uh, there's a progressive slate that is, at least where I live, that is deeply critical of policing. And actually, I think we have police who are, in the very rare instance, willing to listen. And already, a lot of the, the, the measures that I wrote around body camera policy and use of force policy have been adopted into their um, regimen. Not that that's everything, but it's, 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 it's a start. thing. And yeah. it's a start. So, Well, thank you. I, I know I've run way over time here. I want to thank you. Thank you for coming back after uh, Subject to Review. That was a great film. This one, the technology, the look of it, it's amazing. It's an amazing watch. Uh, the film, again, is called All Light Everywhere. We've been talking with the director, Theo Anthony. Thank you, Theo. Thank you so much.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.